class, Reese. And your wicked days are done. And on that note, can I pivot? Pivot. Okay, great. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining the Dutton Rules Yellowstone podcast. We're so glad you're here. If you're just now tuning into us, welcome. We would love, after you listen to this episode, to rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you ever have any questions, comments, or answer our trivia question, that's at staff at tasteofcountry.com. And if you also enjoy video format, we've got that. We're just a one-stop shop over here. We have that as well over on our YouTube channel. It's Taste of Country, where we do video portions of this podcast, and we do little Yellowstone recaps as well with little clips from the show and all the above. So follow us there, like, and subscribe. So anytime we drop videos weekly, you are in the know. So without further ado, how today's episode is going to work is we are going to chat Bass Reeves, another uh, Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan um, drama coming out. And we don't worry, we will get to the trivia as well. And then we will talk episode seven and eight of Yellowstone. So joining me, the one and only Mr. Billy Dukes. Hello, Addison. How are things? (laughs) Great. Today's backdrop is a little different. It kind of it's looking a little bit like a green screen. I'm in California. I traded my Texas my Texas cowboy hat for for California. <laughs> what are we looking at exactly? Like there's a pretty w- waterscape over your shoulder. We're looking at. You know what? I'll bring the YouTube vid, uh, viewers on with this journey. You can kind of uh-huh. see it's. You see some sailboats. It's the bay. Yeah. Wow. Of San Diego. So that's what we're looking out at. You reminded me in your um, opening preamble that in a lot of the archives, we have some uh, interviews. And uh, several weeks ago, we had teed up an interview with Luke Grimes. I mentioned that we had chatted with Luke Grimes. And I kind of wanted to update on why we haven't rolled that interview back out yet. Okay. What's it was a good interview, but like the the Luke was really like almost to a humorous point about how like. He can't talk about Yellowstone in solidarity with his striking actors. He shared a mm-hmm. lot about music. And he said it so many times that, like, uh, Evan, who's the host of Taste of Country Nights, he's mm-hmm. the one that did the interview, it almost kind of became comical. So for me to take that interview and now put it on a Yellowstone-centric podcast, I thought would be kind of like, you know, uh, it'd be doing him a disservice and making him look bad. So yeah. I'm going to hold off on that until after, like, hopefully the strike ends here pretty soon. And we'll put that and then we'll roll that out at that point. But we're holding on to the Luke Grimes music centric in- interview for now. Makes sense. Also, hopefully, if anyone's listening, and I don't know if you can tell Billy either, I will say, you know, we are looking at a beautiful, beautiful backdrop, but sometimes it is backed up to a major road. So hopefully it won't. I just heard a motorcycle go by. So hopefully, oh, really? hopefully audio we're good. But <laughs> just want to just want a disclaimer. If you hear a fire engine or anything like that, like siren, <laughs> don't panic. Life happens. Life, yes, life happens. Well, <laughs> enough of enough of my uh, California backdrop. Let's talk Bass Reeves because I know specifically you are really excited about this. You kind of this is like you're kind of Christmas Day about this. Show. Well, I was level three excited for Lawman Bass Reeves like at first, and then I saw the teaser for Bass Reeves, mm-hmm. and I became like level six excited. The trailer okay. hooked me. The trailer is very, very good. Uh, the show's Lawman Bass Reeves, November 5th, Paramount Plus. It stars David mm-hmm. Oilowo 
And I'm going with that pronunciation until I hear something different. That's kind of the phonetic pronunciation of it. But the the opening part where he's just sort of clicking that revolver. Yeah, that was really I mean, that that sort of really hooked me into the character a little bit. And then even throughout the trailer, you get an idea of how conflicted he is, not only with his external What's happening around him is like a lawman, a first black lawman, and this guy who's sort of a lawman in this town of outlaws. But the mm-hmm. internal conflict, you see his wife, you see his family, you see how she has to sort of back down the KKK. There's just mm-hmm. a lot to appreciate about where this show could go over the next couple of months. I think what they did a really good job is so the ticking of the barrel and kind of to just paint some imagery of this scene or just paint the scene in general is, you know, it's a close-up shot of Bass Reeves clicking the barrel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what it does, and after that, it pans to different clips of the show, but you still hear the ticking, which Mm -hmm. in if I remember, no, there's like no lower music bed or anything mm. like that. So it's just like really, they did a good job. I agree with you of like really compelling of like, I was hooked the whole time of like, okay, click, click, you know, next scene, next scene. And then it, then it moves on. But I think one quote that I really liked from it is when uh, Bass Reeves said, or whoever was talking to Bass Reeves, I don't know the characters obviously yet, but says, are you an out, are you a lawman or an outlaw? And he's mm-hmm. like, I'm a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. And anyways, I just thought that that quote was really good. Yeah, there was a little boy talking to him during that. Oh, that's right. I didn't know if it was the older man with gray hair. So I want to get into some of the cast here in a little bit because there's some interesting okay. cast members. But the close-ups in the trailer are, are pretty compelling as well. Like a lot of focus on his face. And he has a, a little bit of what I call the crazy eye. Like he looks wild in the eyes, does he not? Like. You don't know where he's going. I, I kind of get the feeling that he's a lawman, but he might be work outside the lines a little bit to fight for the law. A little bit of a John Dutton. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe even a little bit more like a, kind of a Jack Sparrow kind of feel to him. Like Jack oh Sparrow has the crazy, not quite like as flamboyant, but Jack right, Sparrow right, has the no, crazy that, eye. He totally. No, that was a really good comparison yeah <laughs> i'm so excited about this so some of the cast members uh donald sutherland is part of this he's, he's a veteran actor um just really well known been in a ton of movies mm-hmm. and he stars as judge parker and doing some research i realized that not only is bass reeves based on a real character judge parker is as well they have this relationship that goes back uh, you can wikipedia search bass reeves and a lot of it is really accurate what you find there you get a little bit of a thumbnail mm-hmm. sketch of who he is he he rested over three thousand criminals including at one point he arrested his own son on charges of murder. The real life Bass Reeves had to arrest his own son and the Mm -hmm. son was convicted and served like 10 to 15 years for murder. Wow. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Some people, well, I guess, I don't know if you want to keep, keep going on the, cause it's, we have a lot of, uh, still has some heavy hitters actor wise. If you want to talk about Dennis Dennis Quaid is part of the, the team law. He's another U S marshal. And an integral character of this, uh, Barry Pepper, who's kind of a character actor. I haven't gotten a feel for which side of the law Barry Pepper is. He usually plays people who are more villains or criminals, uh, but he mm-hmm. might be a good guy in this. And the more most interesting one, well, Mo brings plenty as part of this show as well. You, you see him for like a, a millisecond in the trailer. Uh, but Garrett Headland, who if you watch Tulsa King, Garrett Headland is the bartender. 
But if you didn't watch Tulsa King, you might remember him as Don Billingsley. This is Tim McGraw's son in Friday Night Lights, the football movie. Oh, yeah. That was uh, Billy. I know Friday Night Lights. I was yeah. filming in Austin, Texas, right by my school. <laughs> Garrett Hedlund played the kid in that movie. By the way, that movie, 20 years old next year. Ooh. Ah, I know. That makes me feel That's old. That probably makes you feel old, Billy. <laughs> I thought, oh, oh boy, didn't need to hear that. <laughs> I had to go get some joints. just for men up in here. <laughs> <laughs> for people who might be wondering, and I think we posed this question last time we talked about Bass Reeves, will we be covering it? And I think last time we said, like, if y'all have an interest in us covering it, like, let us know. Staff at tasteofcountry.com. But I don't know if you've kind of gotten feedback since then and are we going to cover it positive feedback but something else has kind of happened too that's made me inclined to cover it and that's we've kind of gotten a a definitive answer to well not definitive but yellowstone season 5 1923 none of those shows are resuming anytime soon and that's because the screen actors guild strike hit like an impasse Last week, they were negotiating, and one of the sides walked away from the table, and it doesn't sound like they're going to return to the negotiating table anytime soon. So we know for sure that we're not on the brink of more from Yellowstone. Season 2 of 1923 is not coming back anytime soon. So Bass Reeves is kind of all we got, and it's pretty interesting because it sounds like they're doing a little bit of media for Bass Reeves. Uh, Certain shows have been allowed to sort of promote themselves throughout this strike, and Bass Reeves may be one of those shows, but we've got an invite to do like a, a media day here in the next couple of weeks, which we're going to take part in. I don't know what that'll produce or which stars are involved, but this is kind of the only show going. It looks really good. I'm inclined to cover it. Uh, mm. Maybe a little bit of a lighter coverage than we've done previously, but man, it just looks so good. And it's so tied into like what we know from Taylor Sheridan. I, I'd right. like to. Yeah. Let us know y'all's feedback staff at tasteofcountry.com. If you'd listen in, we'll keep talking. Your wicked days are done. <laughs> How's that? That was beautiful. That was beautiful, Bill. You've uh, actually already said that line last podcast, so I know. I'm just but saying, like, <laughs> it's same trick over here. You know, I, I gotta get something different from you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bass Reese, and your wicked days are done. <laughs> if he needs anybody, if anybody needs to be David Oyelowo's fill in. You know, consider this bearded white dude from Detroit is all I'm saying. And on that note, can I pivot? Mm-hmm. Pivot, <laughs> okay, please. Great. That was a great, great uh, time to pivot. Mm-hmm. Go on now, heading into Yellowstone. And before we get to episode seven and eight, let's talk the trivia question. Mm-hmm. Our classic trivia question. Remind me what it was and who won. Well, a quick apology that I've been misrepresenting the uh, office that Jamie has been running for. For some reason, I've been referring to him as the district attorney when really he's working for the attorney general. Uh, that it has something to do with the trivia question as well, because last week's trivia question was this. John Dutton has an official government position. What is it? And we got a number of correct answers. The correct okay. answer is he's the head of the Livestock Commission. And that is like the department, that's like the department in real life, Montana, it's called the Department of Livestock in Yellowstone. It's called the Livestock Commission. He's the head of all the livestock agents. That's like a law enforcement agency, uh, a little bit like uh, park rangers for the national park. They can carry guns and, and go arrest people. And we have to congratulate 
Debbie, who is the first in. She emailed staff at tasteofcountry.com and knew that John Dutton, as of now, and this is going to change, is the head of the Livestock Commission. So Debbie, for you, your loved ones, I hope this is just a wonderful fall season wherever you are. I hope your scares on Halloween are the scariest. I hope your holidays are full of treats this year. Uh, congratulations to Debbie. Get out there and go go after whatever you're chasing in life. We are here for you. And if you need me to make a phone call, Debbie, I'm willing to do it. Oh. <laughs> I'm just going to let that hang out there as like a little bit of a threat to whoever's like an enemy of Debbie. Debbie, three cheers for Debbie. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hip, hip. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Billy, what is this week's trivia question? I'll let you get a sip of water real quick. Sure. This week's quick trivia question involves the end of episode eight of Yellowstone when the bunkhouse boys Ooh. tell Jimmy that throwing his new cowboy hat on the bed is bad luck. This is a real thing. My question is, what is the origin of that superstition? Ooh, I like that question. Do you know? That's a good one. No. But will I know by the time we get to this next podcast? Yes. It's pretty interesting. Should we talk? Episode That's seven. Episode seven. Yeah. It's it um, episode seven and eight. Two classic episodes, I feel like, with many classic yeah. scenes. Where do you want to begin? Well, I, my deep breathing was, but this is more for episode eight. Billy, I like, I had a... Well, I'll touch on my emotions on episode eight in a minute, obviously. Let's go to seven. It was titled A Monster Among Us. I thought it was really good specifically with the scene of Beth and her mother. Um, but before we get there, if you want to kind of set the scene of how it opens of Rip encounters a bear, which also has to do with um, civilians, I like I got sick to my stomach over the scene. Well, episode seven opens with John encountering the bear. This and this is a classic Yellowstone oh, scene. Oh, he's in black yes. tie. He's on his way to the livestock dinner, and he noticed some tourists are coming off the bus on his property, and and they're taking photos of and unintentionally goading a bear. And John has to explain to him that that bear is dangerous for one, and this is my land. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the Japanese tourists says something like. Um, we don't believe this is your land because no one man should own this much land. Yeah. And John says, this is America. We don't share land here and starts shooting a shotgun and they all run off. And the bear kind of comes back around later throughout the season. And we eventually get him with Rip um, yeah. later in the episode. Uh, do you want to jump? Let, let's save that part because no. I feel like yeah. that pivots nicely into episode eight, like the whole Rip yes. plot sequence. Yes, it does. I was jumping. I was jumping the gun a little bit. No I did think that was so funny of the scene of John, you know, and the the tourists and the bear. I mean, just acting like it's a little golden retriever out there. Of let's just go look at it. I'm going. Oh my gosh! Which sadly, I mean, even today you hear stories like that of people at Yellowstone thinking, "Let me get close to a moose," or "Let me get close to mm -hmm. a wild animal," and saying this very kindly, but it's like, this is just one of those just common sense of like, it's a wild animal. Come on. I watched a video just, I think over the weekend, like a woman, like trying to touch a bison. <laughs> 
It's like these are not friendly animals. Like you aren't a lot. No, it's not a petting zoo. They are very wild, and you are just you are just yeah. some meat for them. <laughs> and that bear in this episode, he looked really angry. Like he's he's kind of stomping around. I don't know what the tourists were thinking or whoever was sort of leading that bus. Why they the thought that was that, a good yeah. idea to get people off the the tour bus. Yeah. Monica in this episode is still, so how we left her in episode six, she ended up on the ground. She was part of that fight. Episode seven, we now see her. She's in the hospital. She's in really bad shape. Um, And that's kind of where, like, she stays in bad shape throughout episode seven. Like, she doesn't, she's not cleared yet from the hospital. It looks like maybe her leg and maybe her foot are temporarily paralyzed. Um, She's going to undergo some physical therapy over the next few episodes, but the doctors are overall encouraged by her awareness and the fact that she's eating. Uh, Tate goes back to the ranch with John so that Casey and Monica can spend some ten- time together. But Monica ends up getting to spend a lot of time on her own, just sort of just sort of thinking about things, which ends up being bad news for Casey yeah. in episode eight. The scene with, I think, probably the most between Rip and then this Beth scene with her mom. I think it was for me a really good insight and I can paint the picture. I, it was a really good insight into a little bit more of understanding of man, like a lot of Beth's demeanor, Beth's thoughts on the world, et cetera, et cetera, were really implemented by her mom outside of her mom, just not, not being lovey dovey towards her. But essentially what happens is Beth it's, I think Christmas day, Beth becomes a woman. She gets Mm -hmm. her period and at first I thought the scene was really tender. Her mom was being very like affectionate, very mm-hmm. like, Hey, it's, you know, just a part of life. Like this was a really sweet scene. And then it got dark where essentially her mom tells her, I'm going to, you know, you're a woman now. And so I'm going to make you as, or tougher than a man, essentially. Um, like you can, you know, empowering her to, essentially take on the world now. She is a woman. And her dad, I think, or her mom, sorry, not her dad, um, Beth's mom's mom essentially instilled this in her. And so she was going to instill it in Beth. And man, I was like, talk about generational, just like passing down really unhealthy things. I was like, this is this is right here of where I saw, I'm like, oh, here was the pivot where I think Beth's mom took it way too far on being too hard, hard on Beth, like my parents taught me to be very independent. Like I can do, you know, be my own person, but also there was a lot of love there too. (laughs) So a couple of things with this scene is there's a plot hole here that I'll get to in a moment. Oh, but also her explanation is maybe rooted in some truth, but her, her actions are a little bit too strong. Her explanation yes. is that now that she's a woman, the men are going to start thinking of her as the weaker sex or weaker yes. than them. And if they, if Beth starts to hear that for long enough, she's going to believe it too. So she's going to be extra hard on Beth moving forward to make sure that she remains what we'll call dut and tough. Um, and that, yeah. we're led to believe that this goes on for quite some time and it kind of shapes Beth into who she is. The plot hole is the reality is Evelyn Dutton dies three months later. So it's only three months of this sort of behavior towards Beth before Evelyn falls off the horse because she dies at the end of March 1997. 
I think they want you to believe that Beth underwent this treatment for many years or at least several years. And that's not the reality. Like she only got bits and pieces of it. But I 100% agree with you. Like even if you're trying to teach your kids to be tough, like it is that passing along of, of generational traditions that maybe Evelyn needed to step back and think about a little bit more objectively. And certainly Beth needs to at this point. And she hasn't ever in her life. And we never see that in five seasons of Yellowstone. No, a kind of the check engine light of, hey, what part of this is good that I absolutely, I absolutely should take forward? And what should I leave in the past and not bring forward? Beth ain't learned on that anytime soon. No, no. And maybe there was like another part of that lesson that Evelyn Dutton got where like after several years, mm. it, there's a softening that mm. allows, because Evelyn Dutton seems to be tough, but also sensitive in some ways. And we saw that in that scene. So the first half of the, le- yeah. the lesson may have been the toughening and, and the back half, uh, maybe after she's 18, 21, a certain age, sort of that sort of softening and how to become a little bit more sensitive and motherly. And Beth never got that part. And maybe yeah. that's what we're missing and and why it just looks like Evelyn is just kind of being a real bitch to her daughter. And because uh, we didn't see the other part of it. Yeah, I'm thinking through this in real time, I I guess, because I I tend to agree with you, but I don't know. No, I love it. It's a hard thing to sort of these active thoughts to sort of figure out and and difficult to. I don't know. I'm curious to know if anybody listening had had a similar experience Mm. growing up or can kind of relate to and defend Evelyn Dutton, because I would Mm. love to have another side of the conversation with someone who sort of defends her behavior here. And I would listen to that with an open mind. Yeah, staff at tasteofcountry.com is where you can leave those thoughts. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can comment below as well. The scenes that follow, though, there's quite a bit of Beth and then Walker. Beth tries to literally get back on the horse and learn how to ride a horse. And there's a really sensitive scene with her and Walker where I think we start to get to see not only like the sensitive nature and like the depth of Walker's character, but it's some pretty good acting by Ryan Bingham as well. And he hasn't done a lot of acting, but like he's a little one dimensional, but I feel like kind of throughout this, this episode and the next, you see like his regretful, remorseful side and certainly his sensitive side. I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I I like, I like him more currently than I end up liking him. Okay. He's growing on you. I'm just going (laughs) to, that's why I keep asking you how you feel about Walker. I know. Well, Yeah. (laughs) I think because I already, where I started with him, I like, let's just put it this way. I like him before a woman enters the picture. Has, uh, wow, the romance has to mess it up. Laramie. Laramie. Yeah. Yeah, because he steals. But I mean, you're mad because Laramie st- was dating Lloyd and then went, and, but Lloyd ne- was never going to be with Laramie. Like, L- Laramie was. Really, it's a, my frustration was with Laramie. Like, she played both men. Like she's just getting around that bunkhouse. That bunkhouse is too small to get around. That's that's a good point. I, w- I would agree with you. She wasn't thinking of like the potential conflict that's going to. That would be where my head's going. To, like, how could this like impact other people? But she was just wants what she wants. I suppose romantically, though, Lloyd was never going to compete with Walker in that situation. Let's be honest. I mean, Lloyd, he's a nice guy, but Walker is a little easier on the eyes. A little he smoother, is, yeah, plays yeah. that guitar. 
<laughs> like it was just happening for him. No, I did really like that Beth in a Walker scene. It was definitely it, tender on both degrees, like tender to see kind of Beth, like even marinating on the thought of getting back on the horse, kind of mm-hmm. really she could just shut Walker down in that moment, but she allowed him to kind of just be like, hey, you know, here's let me help you. Um, so, yeah, I feel like on both ends, it was a good character scene for sure. Yeah, we saw a lot of similar scenes where we saw some character development and we got Rip's background. If we can, if you want to pivot now to what Rip went through between end of episode seven and early episode eight. Well, did we see it on? I thought we just saw it on episode eight because the end of seven is where the the um, bear comes right. into play. Yeah, I'm tying them together a little bit, but the only reason we got the Rip background is because they needed to explain um, his character a little to. bit um, before episode eight sort of plays out with the law enforcement. Yeah, this scene, uh, Billy, I literally, I, I, I had to look away, like at the ending of this scene, I like genuinely got really sick to my stomach. Um, you what mean the had flashback. happened was, well, both, or are you talking about the both, bear on the, on the bear? Okay. Wait a minute. I think the, what I, what I have written down is the flashback in the, in the house. Are we, are yes. we on the same wavelength here? I thought that was the beginning of episode eight. It was. Yeah. That's why they sort right. of tie it together. But the, I'm currently finishing seven <laughs> where the bear was involved. Okay. Go ahead. What, what part really bothered you about? Well, let, let me describe what happens and then you, you okay. tell me what kind of really <laughs> disturbed you. Um, Rip was uh, on top of a mountain. He hears some yelling. There's a couple who have kind of jumped off a cliff and are hanging on the ledge of a cliff for dear life to get away from this grizzly bear that John Dutton discovered at the beginning of the episode. And Rip realizes Mm -hmm. what's happening. Um, He tries to throw the couple a rope. He says he can only pull up one at a time. The man who doesn't speak English freaks out and tries to grab onto the rope as well. That causes the mm. woman to fall to her death. Then the man, feeling so distraught that his girlfriend just fell to her death, he essentially lets go of the rope and falls to his death. Rip sits back, encounters the grizzly bear, and shoots the grizzly bear dead on the top of the mountain. Watching them fall to their death really unsettled. I It really bugged me. It wasn't the kind of death or sometimes they'll cut away and you just sort of are led to believe what happens. Like they, Mm -hmm. they show her all the way to the bottom and it's a way fair ways down. So you don't see like a splat or anything, but it was Mm -hmm. real in a way that those kind of deaths, you usually don't see that kind of reality in a show. Mm -mm. And I could have done without that, like just cutting away essentially. Yeah. It it bugged me. <laughs> that leave. wasn't the part of I'll the sequence that, that really bothered me, though. What was the part of the sequence that did? Well, the, the beginning of episode eight with the flashbacks. Oh, well, no, that correct. No, no, no. Yes, that it's like we started with this, and I was already like sick to my stomach, and then we saw the next part. Billy, I li- I closed my. I was hearing it because I was like, I'm gonna have to talk about this. I closed my eyes. If I'm being honest, the opening of episode eight, I could, I couldn't. Okay, so full disclosure here. After episode one and two aired on CBS, because it was so similar to what aired on Peacock, we haven't been watching both CBS and Peacock. I've caught some CBS episodes. I didn't catch these two on CBS. 
um, for a number of reasons, primarily because there was a baseball game on and I was excited about that. So we're <laughs> referring to the Peacock version. So it is possible that the oh, CBS yes. version didn't show that full fall to the death and also sort of censored a little bit of the beginning of episode eight, which is where we learn Rip's mm. story and how Rip ended up at the Dutton Ranch. I would love to know if they made those changes because I, I would certainly think they might have because it is so difficult to watch. Um, those two sequences. Was that Rip's mom before we set up what happened or foster mom? Mom. 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 Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So what happens is then is episode seven, we, the Rip and the bear scene and Rip, there's no resolution there. Rip is just in a lot of trouble. Mm. Um, he tries also, to get a hold maybe of Jamie, ex- but fails. Um, and then it goes I'm, from there. I'm a little confused fused of like why he was in so much trouble was he in so much trouble because like he shot a bear even if it is in self-defense well because he shot the bear but also because there's two dead bodies now on on dutton property land and they need to figure out how to deal with that they got to get authorities they got to get a sheriff up there and rip is something of a mystery man so he can't necessarily be the one to call out the authorities um Mm -hmm. And what we learned throughout Yellowstone and beginning with episode eight is that Rip is kind of a man who doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like he is totally off the radar. Rip, we think, is his real name. But mm-hmm. when he was a boy, he disappeared from his family's house and, and really from the, uh, the face of the earth because he not only witnessed his dad murdering his mother and his son, his mother and his brother, he killed his dad. His dad was in a drunken, and it was by this point that his parents were divorced. His dad was came back for some revenge, killed his mother, mm-hmm. killed Rip's brother. Rip wakes up from sort of a daze, gri- grabs a big uh, iron skillet, and beats his dad to death, and then gets the hell out of Dodge, ends up in the barn of uh, John Dutton's place where the ranch hands find him, and John kind of takes him under his wing at that point, um, letting Rip know that he knows full, full well who Rip is. And what had happened. Yeah. But yeah. he allows Rip to sort of just appear elsewhere, maybe as someone different. He never reports Rip to the authorities at that point. But the death scene where Rip has to kill his dad and you see his little brother laying there dead. Yeah, that that hit harder the second time. I had a harder time watching that the second time, I think, than I did the first time. Are you going to vomit? Mm. Don't vomit on your microphone. <laughs> it was difficult. But you look, you had like puffy cheeks like you're about to throw up. No, I was just holding my breath because I like I watch it once and I'm good. I watch it once with my eyes closed. So I don't know if hearing it was any better, but yeah, that was a that was a heavy scene. But it was I didn't ever know where Rip came from, so I thought it was absolutely integral and that we knew like okay, this is where like this is what Rip stepped away from. Um, and yeah, to your to your point of John never like makes rip have to answer to it it's kind of like your slate is wiped clean you're now going to be you know work for me um and be this is who you are now and that's why he has the brand that's why rip has the brand mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the a pig farm in myo city is officially where rip came from i don't know if myo city is a really a real state in montana or not but um that's where it came from so sheriff when sheriff you know donnie gets the call see donnie haskell the new sheriff, he seems to know about Rip's history a little bit because he says something to John about 
Rip's history or something like this isn't going to go well for Rip given his history. So he seems to be clued in a little bit to what Rip has gone through and understands that Rip's in a little bit, even more of a pickle and would be under some suspicion um, more than someone with like a, a clean record. And we see that at the end of episode eight, I don't know if we necessarily want to pivot all the way there. Cause that does involve Jamie and stuff. Um, they're essentially trying to rip is trying to explain, like I didn't randomly kill these two people. Like, here's what's happening. Here's where I was standing, like trying to essentially explain, look, I didn't kill these people. Like, here's what went down trying to just show that that is possible or that was not possible. There's going to be another layer to this and something else that happened that we haven't seen yet. That's going to bring forward what most of season two is about. In a way, we have just started down a road that it's going to meet a, that's going to lead us on the path towards season two. Um, Somebody isn't being totally honest in this engagement. Uh, Rip's in a heap of trouble, but he seems like, well, it doesn't really seem like he's getting out of it because those wolves come and and start eating the bear. Um, But we know we have five seasons of Rip. So like spoiler alert, obviously Rip doesn't spend the next five years in jail. um, So he's going to get free of this in some sort of way. But there is something that happens that leads us down season two that's really dark and, and super interesting. Before we talk, because Jamie's also mixed in the layer of all of this, but before mm-hmm. we get to Jamie, something I want to touch on, you did say last episode, you're like, this is a, nah, don't worry about it moment. Uh, the dinosaur, the dinosaur skeleton that we see on <laughs> Casey's, <laughs> by Casey's home. And last episode, you know, you saw the drones coming over, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, don't worry about it. Well, Billy, um, we kind of have to worry about it. And I'm a little confused where it's like this still might be a plot hole that we just don't need to worry about technically. But people, they call them treasure hunters, <laughs> come to his home, completely ransack the place and steal the dinosaur. Billy, we had to worry about that. Like they came after the dinosaur. Surely that's not. Tell me that that's not just a random like. Now we're going to do nothing about that statement like. Does this come back up? I kind of think it's just like the ultimate loose end. Like I, I have no memory of this plot hole or this plot point affecting the future of this show. Like I, I have some serious questions about how they extracted that dinosaur so cleanly. Because if you ever heard anything about an archaeological dig, like it is, it takes weeks, months, the brushes, years. like right mm-hmm. the one grain of sand at a time and, and these guys just dug up a whole dinosaur and got out of there in like less than a half an hour it is i'm telling you it's a don't worry about it i know it happened but okay. it doesn't okay it's a it's a car that gets us nowhere it's a dead end road. okay all right <laughs> i mean maybe well, on it, that note maybe it has some sort of maybe it gets us to another important scene um like last time we saw something that had to do with the dinosaur. It got Casey out of the house so that he could come back and find Monica falling down the steps. Maybe it acts in that sort of way, but, but it's not it's like something a transition. That, you're not going to think about it very much after season one. All right. Something that I am going to be thinking about this episode for Jamie, this is definitely mm. a worry about it Yeah. <laughs> episode for, for Jamie. I think what was interesting. So, 
kind of painting a little bit of picture is the situation with Rip and the bear happen. John is obviously very flustered of like, shoot, like how are we going to figure this out? Gets mad because his son Jamie is not at his beck and call. Uh, he can't get a hold of Jamie. He's ticked now at this point. Like Jamie should be here. Like now, now John is mad at Jamie. Um, where this is just whole scene, I think where I got really like, I can't believe I was defensive of Jamie. Like what? Um, I think this is kind of for me, the pivot of understanding, okay, this is when like Jamie kind of went his own direction and was kind of disowned by his family, but not rightfully, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like John, like I understand being there for your family, but John pretty much tells Jamie, like, you know, when he's wanting to run for office and all the above of like, you're just being selfish. We're, you know, you should be with our family and, you know, family comes first, yada, yada. And as Jamie, as John's saying all this, a little bit of me is like, actually, John, you're kind of being selfish of like, you just care about saving your rear end um, yeah. and not what your son desires at all. So this was kind of the moment where I was like, I understand the shift that we're about to get. I 100% agree. Uh, what happens is Jamie finally returns after not being there for all this drama around Rip and the bear. Mm-hmm. And John tells him to drop out of the race for attorney general, even though he's running unopposed. And they get into a physical fight. John beats the hell out of Jamie. And Jamie goes back to his campaign office. And Christina, his campaign manager, gives him a bit of a pep talk. <clears throat> Excuse me. Very uh, nice pep talk. <laughs> all right. Side note about this. As someone, as you're a viewer of how we might say more adolescent type movies yeah. and TV shows and the, you know, a younger yeah. romance, a little bit more salacious. Totally. How much do you love the Christina and Jamie romance? Here's the thing. I, I think because I know w- what she turns into, I don't like it. So really? I'm coming in very like, I- I'm coming in with not a true, like watch it the first time view. Like I know how she plays out. So yeah, I don't know. I also see it like <laughs> where my brain went is like, bro, like this is like a really bad decision, like like it ethically is. when it comes to like the business side of things. Like, dude, you're playing with fire. Like you're also in the political world. Like, you know, it's going to come out eventually. Like I, that's where my my brain was like logistically like, dude, this is something like a teenager would do and be like, ah, I'm going to be fine. Like this will have no repercussions. Out of anything, it's going to have repercussions, and you're in the political scene, so it is going to have repercussions. But you know what? If he wasn't a Dutton, it wouldn't be that bad. Like, if it hadn't gotten so wrapped up in all of his Dutton business, like, they're just kind of hitting it off, falling for each other. Every dark corner they find, they're in there making out, maybe making (laughs) babies. Like, it it doesn't, it could have worked out for him. I would root for this love, if not for the fact I know also know how it ends. Yeah, I was like, mm. and I'm not the biggest fan of her, so I came into it so, a little skewed. I'm probably a little bit more of a fan of her because she's so good looking. So that my my opinion may be Billy, tame. this is biased. Come on. <laughs> 100%. So what ends up happening here with this scene is that Jamie decides he's going to continue to run for attorney general mm-hmm. against his dad wishes. And you're you're right. This This is the split between Jamie and John Dutton. And it leads mm-hmm. to a lot of what happens in episodes in season two and beyond. Um, but I'm with you. I'm team Jamie here. Like I think John is the one being selfish and Jamie's has the normal right to want to advance his career outside yeah. of the Dutton framework. 
And two, I mean, literally John pretty much just like completely scraps any, I mean, up until this point, Jamie has been over backwards for the family, Mm -hmm. you know, has gone out of his way to make sure Casey's okay, you know, done everything that his dad has asked. And so for his dad to almost belittle and act as if he hadn't, like, it it would even me, I mean, I still still wouldn't agree with it, but I think it even would be one thing if, if um, John had said, hey, I know that you've done so much for the family, but you're not showing up in this way now. Like, that's a totally different conversation in reverse of what he actually said of pretty much, you know, Jamie's over here. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, gosh, I'm so passionate. I'm getting stuck in my headphones. Um, You know, everything I've done for this family, you know, and you're you're telling me I can't run for, you know, X, Y, Z. I don't know. Like, John didn't even, like, note the fact or affirm that, hey, you have done a lot for our family so far. I can still be disappointed now in this current situation. But he pretty much acts like nothing in the past had ever happened. Neither of the Dutton parents, John or Evelyn, allow for any sort of nuance. Like it's yeah. either it's all this or it's all that. There's no like, well, you know, I see what you did there and that was a good try. It's but maybe a, yeah. it's, it's, it's totally black and white in their world. But I will say, put a pin in your thought on Jamie a little bit until you watch okay. episode nine. Because okay. what Jamie does next... That's a real problem. It's, okay. it's 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 a real issue that what he does next, and we're going to get there, and we'll talk it's about black that and white. <laughs> I think so. Like score one point okay. for Team John on this next episode. Staff at tasteofcountry.com is where you can leave your thoughts on episode seven and eight. Did you see any loopholes that we missed, or just yeah, any anything that we we might have not covered? Well, uh, one more thing we have to cover is what Casey and Monica and how they end in episode eight. After all that time in the hospital, Monica decides, and I'm going to deliver this sort of summary with some level of subjectification. She decides all on her own without talking to her spouse Uh that he's the problem and she needs to move out, take her son with him. Doesn't take any responsibility for her role in the relationship in this decision making. Doesn't have a single conversation with him. She's just like, you know what? I'm out. You're acting kind of immature and leaves him there outside the hospital and wheel gets wheeled away. This was a really annoying scene to me. Yeah, considering I was about to just brush past it and move on. I, I Yeah, it didn't hold a lot of space in my brain. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, WTF, I mean, we've, talked, we've talked several times about the character of Monica, and I think this part here is why people are like, oh, come on, woman. Like, what did Casey even yes. really do? What is she so mad at him for? I, it seems like she was kind of wishy-washy on if they should be with the with John Dutton or not yeah. as well. So what is she, like, upset at him for? And her accident was not because of John Dutton. It was, it was at a school, right. and she was trying to, you know, uh, break up a fight. It wasn't even like... Something that happened on the Dutton Ranch. Yeah. Big problem with this one. On that note, Q&A. All right, on that. Yeah, let's do some Q&A. Okay. I have a few for us today. Uh, The first one is from Steph, who says, A quick note to ask on any updates of 1923. Did they ever begin filming, etc., before the strikes? Just wondered if you had any further details on a possible timeline, which we kind of did touch in the beginning. But yeah, Billy, any further info? Well, the the Screen Actors Guild strike is bad news for 1923 fans as well. Uh, No, they haven't started filming. I don't know how much of it is even written season two, 
but that show is also on the ice along with season five of episode or uh, season five of Yellowstone, the remaining episodes. You got to think the earliest we might see that now is spring 2024 to allow time for things Mm -hmm. to get written production to happen. Um, This really could have ramifications across 2024 and you know, hell it might even be 2025 before some of these series wrap up. Gosh, I know. The second one I have for us is from loving three J's who says, Oops, let me pull it over. There we go. Uh, it says, thank you for getting me through shifts and days and driving. I can't wait to see what's next with Yellowstone and if we get a 1963 or something like that. If I could add any critiques, my one would be that I wish when y'all made predictions that you would go back to the prediction you made and follow up on it on the next episode or two. Oh, that's actually really good. That is a good point. Well, we're certainly not above doing it. You yeah. know, we, we admit that we're wrong often enough. Uh, the thing with it, this particular season of our podcast is, though, we're talking about season one of a show that has five seasons on it. So we're not really making as many predictions. And I'm certainly not making predictions that are wrong because I know how it goes. Like, we know it's coming right. the next several seasons. But a lot of our earlier you know, when we were trying to follow what was going to happen with 1923 and seasons four of Yellow, five of Yellowstone, I mean, it was almost comical. Some of the things we were saying, what yeah, was the one that we you said? Predi- there was one prediction that you had oh. that was that you really held to for a number of weeks, uh, even long after reality showed oh. that you were going to be wrong. You were a staunch defender of this prediction. Yeah. Was it about Elsa? I think so. Yep. There was some there that we were both wrong on. You know, when it came to which mem- woman in 1923 was pregnant, um, I think we were both thinking that Spencer's girlfriend wife was pregnant, and I don't know if that ended up being true. Like, No, the theory I had, I think, had to do with she was going to lose the baby. That um, Oh, but she Michelle did lose Randolph's the baby. Character. She did right. lose the baby. So I think my prediction came true. Or was there another one that I was really wrong on? I'm, I'm sure there was. I just there were some wild predictions I, in there. I'm just not. Like, <laughs> I just can't remember. <laughs> when new episodes come, and, and you know, with Bass Reeves, you're going to find this if we start covering Bass Reeves. Like, we'll do our best to guess where this is going to go, but we don't know. So. Yeah, but we're, we're we'll be wrong all just the time. watching it fresh like y'all are. All that to be said. I have one. Uh, a Q&A. Oh, cool. Can I? Shoot. Uh, you, Jeremy. You have the floor, Billy. Jeremy emailed in. And says, Addison, every day is your day. You bring stories to the masses with a delightful Southern charm. Your hair and makeup are on point, smart, and attractive with a unique perspective from the most adorable Texas Addison accent. Yes, that's Addison, loved by family, friends, and colleagues alike. She will continue conquering your dreams one step at a time. Giggum. Oh, my gosh. Jeremy. First off, Gigum, you just won me over with the Gigum. You could have said nothing else and just Gigum, you. Thank you so much. Our football team stinks, but I appreciate, as we call that at uh, Texas A&M, it's called Red Ass. It's mm-hmm. when you're really all into A&M. So anyways, thank you for the Gigum. Also, wow, Billy, he essentially gave me a pep talk like you give our listeners. Thank you. I've never gotten that from Billy Dukes. Jeremy, I hope I did you proud there with the tone. I, I kind of saw where you were going there, and I, I made it my own. Uh, I hope you did. I did all right by you there, buddy. But thank you thank very much you. for that wow. email. He had, a, 
Big fan of you. So he, he said one or two things about me that he liked as well, but it, it, he was <laughs> the focus was on you there. So it is your day, Addison. A cheers wow. to you. Cheers. I'll cheers to that with my little coffee. And Billy and his water. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, Steph, if you want to send me more effort, no, I'm just kidding. More affirmations. So, <laughs> um, no, Steph at tastesofcountry.com is where you can, as always, send the trivia question. Any questions, comments like Billy and I have read off because, yes, your comment could end up on an episode. Also, our YouTube channel, the comment section is for that. Always encourage you to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, rate us on Spotify, know that it truly like those ratings are super helpful. And also share with a friend of Mm -hmm. who might be interested in Yellowstone has never heard of Yellowstone before. Um, As y'all know, we are covering season one. So um, yeah, we we cover we cover all the things. Um, So thank y'all. Thank y'all for hanging. Billy, do you have anything else before I before I close us? That's it for me. I'm just, I'm, I wasn't listening at all. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to hear how you wrap up this week's episode. Well, as always, the Dutton Rules Yellowstone podcast is another insightful Town Square Media podcast. Thanks for listening, y'all. We are insightful. Well done.